His name is Heston Blumenthorn. He's taking us on a journey to the centre of food to discover more about our special relationship with cooking and eating. My name's Jay Taylor. I'll be your host for this adventure, along with our Fat Duck producer, James Winter. And on today's episode, we're jumping on board our tiny submarine to once again head deep inside a single ingredient. And today we're adventuring to the heart of cherries discover the foodie secrets behind these beautiful but often underused fruits. So without further ado, let's meet the man who's going to pop our cherry for us today, Heston Blumenthal. Hello Heston. Buenas. <laughs> Buenas, yes, because you are still an international Heston. We are not, you are, you are abroad, Heston abroad. Um, Where are you? Heston, in, uh, yes, I'm, I'm in Madrid. <laughs> Funny enough, I got thought like, after I was... I'm on my way back to, to, to France. I was going to say the UK, but obviously I live in France. So I'm in Madrid, having um, spending a bit of time. They've opened the, the Ritz here, the Mandarin Oriental. It's, it's incredible. And one of my great friends to me is, is one of the great hosts, GMs of the world, Greg. <clears throat> but we're talking about we're opening the bar in the Mandarin Oriental in London. I think many people thought it was our bar, but it's not. It's next to dinner. So we're doing that in, the, in very shortly. And we're talking about all future possibilities that, are, that we can do with the Mandarin because they're an incredible company. Uh, Greg, what he's done with that hotel, you know, ho um, hotel rooms. There's some things that are so obvious in hotel rooms. Why do all modern light switches need a degree in quantum physics to operate them? And you just end up pressing all of them and and you get a lot of, yeah. <clears throat> why, and why does, for example, there's no, oh, and why are there no plug sockets? You have to they get behind the, the bed or the TV and, it, and there's all this. <laughs> oh, hunt the, hide, hunt the plug sockets. Spaghetti junction. Well, why is oh, that? My, it's just, uh, people don't think about ergonomics, human behavior. Why don't you have a fake, a mocked up room and, and sort of live in it for a few days. <clears throat> go to bed in the bed, get up in the middle of the night and go for a pee. Now, you get up in the middle of the night, go for the pee. And then if the bed is the mat, the bed, the, the base of the bed, what's it called? The, not the mattress, the bedstead or something. If it's got a wooden frame, yeah. the chances are you smack your shin on the wooden frame trying to find the, the, the toilet and you end up peeing in the cupboard. Mm apparently allegedly <laughs> so why don't you have sensors so you're just on a tour of european hotels getting angry and peeing <laughs> in cupboards is that your current company what you're doing? somebody invent it's so simple as you get your feet go out of bed like follow the yellow brick road these little lovely blue soft lights come on as you walk and they take you to the toilet oh yeah like a disco and the toilet floor. Seat opens for you it knows if i'm now i'm going a bit too far it knows if you want to stand up and sit down so obviously you've got to make sure which one's going to open all of this stuff. That's like your toilets but, and the fat duck. They know they your know, name, yeah, don't they? Do. They're incredible. They're all heated. But why does all this modern technology result in you can't even watch a movie on the TV because you need a special cable and then you need a pin number because somehow you're a, you're you're a, you're, yeah. a, you're a Netflix terrorist. Anyway, I'm, a, I'm on a rant. So I've been between <laughs> discussing Greg. Um, his name is Greg Liddell. He thinks of these things more than any other GM I know. He's incredible with his staff. He's amazing. So we're talking about all the things we can do together. And and then I'm back to France day after tomorrow. Hence, no mic. Then I thought, oh, I need a mic. So 
we traipse around three big department stores. It's hot and my head's sensitive to heat, as you said. I have the worst hit superhero strength in the world. It's so head sensitive to heat. Put a mask <laughs> on, all the hot air that comes out of my mouth, of my rambling, ranting mouth gets trapped in the mask. Then my glasses steam up. I walk into walls. <laughs> I can't speak Spanish and I'm walking around electrical stores asking for <laughs> microphones. I can only say a la puta madre and, uh, and um, uh, ask for cerveza and thank you <laughs> and other such things. I'm pretty sure our listeners don't, our listeners are wondering that this level of, you know, hard work and dedication to try and get good sound yeah. in our podcast, they probably wonder why we always have crap sound because after it's quite impressive dedication in Spain, know. in Madrid behind the scenes. And I thought, Hester, <laughs> crap sound takes hard work. I just spent hours traipsing around, asking for a microphone and getting a razor. And then I just thought, hang on. That's very you. Part of what we want to do with this podcast is the behind the scenes. We're all human beings. Celebrate the beauty of human beings. If I don't have... TV is such a lie. But it, it's, it's, it, it yes. pretends. This is why Keith Floyd was so amazing. Why does it matter? If you just say, look... <sighs> I've tried to get a mic and then I thought, actually, I'm a human being. So if the sound yeah. is a little bit funny, does it really matter? But what's more important to me is explain the story of my victimhood suffering. My life is so miserable. <laughs> trying to find you a microphone. poor thing. You but poor I'm clean thing. shaven. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. You got the razors. Another. On that note, leaving you swiftly <laughs> on James to is here too. Hello, James. Hello, chaps. Well, you've left the gardens of the Hyde Park. Absolutely. I'm back uh, back at home at uh, Winter HQ. Um, yeah. No traumas here with mics and, and razors. Podcast HQ. Podcast HQ is a bunker somewhere in the north of England, yeah, isn't it? That's with a, we, with a door. Uh, should, the, food. the door that should go... <laughs> doesn't work. It says push. I mean, it's actually a pull. We haven't been able to get in yet. <laughs> what's, the grub like in, what's the grub like in Madrid, Heston? You had anything nice to eat while I you're love, out there? I love... I love simple Spanish food. I mean, it obviously depends on, on different regions. What the I eat and I try and I try and prefer to eat. I'm sounding like Gwyneth Paltrow now. Fish in the evening. I love, I love pasta. I love dough. I love pizza. I love chips. I love rice, but I try not to eat too much of it in the evenings. <clears throat> I love, um, I love the, um, Spanish sea cucumber, which is completely different to the Chinese one. It's more like squid. It's called espadinos. I love percebes or percebes, which look like they're really weird things. They look like rhino's feet, and they're they're red. You have to peel them open, and if and if if you don't, if you're not careful, you get squirted with it's red ink. I won't get that. What is it like a fish? Then they're, you're talking no, about the barnacles. Barnacle, they're yeah. called gooseneck barnacles. They're very very expensive, and they're very expensive because they grow rocks in in this in in sea where there's quite tur the turbulent um, quite turbulent effect of the waves on the rock so the divers you can't fish them they have to go to the rock so imagine when you see a wave smashing against the rock and you're right yeah. in you're you've got to in, go, there to, go there to get them can't they wait for the tide to go out <laughs> the, no, the <laughs> no, i don't think oh well, i've never seen a particle grow where the tides go out but maybe maybe they do do you think the water has something to do you think that the, the the friction has anything to do with like the smashing of the water makes them taste you know different it's it a very good a point because if you have a look if anyone's interested you have the p-e-r-c-e-b-e-s or gooseneck barnacles they look like the foot of an old 
I don't know. It's a it's a it's a three hoofed foot, but the shell is 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 almost stone like. So maybe it's developed to be so strong because if it wasn't, it would not be able to withstand the pressure. So maybe they formed over millions of years in order to survive and thrive in those conditions. So there's those. Um, uh, oh, they are funny looking, aren't they? They really yeah, are. There's nothing like them. They're delicious. They look like an alien, like something from a, to one of those sort of future yeah. films. Um, oh, I, I, the, the list. The list goes on. I, I love uh, oh, red prawns. These red prawns, um, and they're, 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 the reason they're called red prawns is because they're red when raw, where they're red when cooked. Sorry, start again. The reason they're called red prawns is because <laughs> they're red when raw. Normally, prawns aren't red when they're raw. They're kind of silvery, purpley, grey colour. They're not red. Well, it's the same as the lobster thing, same. isn't it? For years, I thought lobsters were no, that's when they're cooked. red. These, I thought that's the colour of lobsters. Yeah. These are red when raw. And the thing with them is the heads. What, in a good way? The, the, the tail flesh, is you suck the head, which is actually not the head, it's the stomach. Well, that's uh, if As a chef, if, I, if, if, if any chef, it's probably, for me, one of the single greatest mouthfuls of nature to eat. Without doing anything to it, they're rich. But they're is this one of those chefy things that normal people thinks miserable, or is it actually tastes uh, good? They're, no, <laughs> it actually. Well, I can, what do you mean? Actually, tastes good for me. <laughs> no food is intrinsically disgusting. They're they're amazing. Um, I mean, I could go on, but then but then then we wouldn't be talking about cherries. So, uh, and I love yes. the, the obviously the. the Many, many more things about about simple. Got, what's Spanish the cocktails out there? Do they have co- what, what's everyone drink? Is it beer or is it cocktail? What's the kind of the main drink? Well, <clears throat> the most one of the in terms of well, there's wine. The Spanish wine it's, it's, Spain is one of the largest wine industry, uh, wine growing, wine making industries in the world. Obviously, there's sherry, which is almost uniquely Spanish, but they also make it in. Um, it's a special floor yeast that grows onto the wine naturally. That's another. Ah, we could do a sherry podcast actually. There might not be enough people interested because I think that's very underrated. Um, beer is very big in Spain, um, and many other things. The, Spain do the other side. There's been the, the great big food re- uh, gastronomic revolution in Spain. Of course, um, but I'm I'm after in my slightly more mature uh, period of life, I prefer the simple things i prefer sharing i prefer not being spoon-fed i love i i'm more interested in my relationship with the food that i cook and eat oh lovely um well we've had people getting in touch to share their relationships with certain food uh and please do keep getting in touch we do love it at heston's podcast on instagram uh and heston's podcast at gmail.com uh bren has been in touch hello again bren he said uh Hi, Bren here. Last Saturday I had some relish left over for my breakfast frittata. That's a word you don't say often enough, isn't it? Frittata. (laughs) Which it went well with. So I tried it on my citrus tart. The tomato relish... This sounds just like you. You do that. The tomato relish didn't go well on the citrus tart. So I tried it with cream. Still didn't work. Next time I'm going to try it and add a little sugar to the relish to see if that works. I'm sure people at the cafe won't mind. So he's not even doing this in the privacy of his own home. <laughs> I say, Brent, I love you. Because if you look at, this is an indication of how far food in Britain has come. <laughs> 15 years ago, no one would have even known what a frittata was, let alone had it for breakfast. Or put it on a citrus tart. Or a citrus tart. 
in a transport cafe. Yeah, exactly. do you remember when we <clears throat> we made that we made that show about dormice and we went to um, Czech uh, Republic? Wasn't that in Britain we served the dormice in a cafe? No, but we went we went hunting and dormice. Dormice is a hunting season for them. They they look really cute, but there is a proper season, culling hunting season for dormice. Yeah, and we went with the hunters. I'm sure it was in Czech Republic, and then they skinned them, and they looked like mice. Yeah, and I looked and I thought, Why does nobody eat mice? Why? I, I, it was a question. Not like everybody should eat mice. We're so squeamish about mice. Where does that squeamishness about mice and the elephant and the mouse come from? Yeah. I, I don't know. I can understand why people are squeamish about snakes. But yeah. mice, I don't know. Is it, is, it, is, it, is it through storytelling and cartoons or does it go back further than that? Why don't we eat mice when there's so many of them? It's the whole rodent thing, I suppose, and, isn't it? Well, yeah. But you'd eat but, squirrel. People, eat, people do eat squirrel. <clears throat> well, what's a, what's a rabbit? Oh, yeah. I mean, what is, what is, guinea pigs, what is guinea pigs in Peru as well. Yeah, so I remember thinking. Then the next set, step was, well, why don't so fast forward from from a forest with hunters in Czech Republic. Hmm, why don't people eat mice? Well, they do in some countries. To fast forward to a wet, rainy day on the A4, <laughs> on the way into Reading, a transport cafe. So, Brem, this is the link with Brem. <laughs> Um, the transport cafe. So we got some some mouse, some mice with their tails and the, and the, and still the eyes and the teeth in, but they were skinned. They were fed on nuts and seeds, and they were humanely killed. And the blah 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 blah. So the idea was to test people. So I fried up what four or five mice in a frying pan. Yeah, out on the gas stove outside. <laughs> they didn't smell that good. Went into the back of the. Tr- they did. <laughs> They, we're in, by the way, in garlic, I imagine, some onions. Uh, they tasted of between pork and quail. Yeah, yeah. I forgot to mention, that's the reason why I said, why don't they eat, my, my, um, why don't they eat mice? Because the flavour was actually between pork and quail. Mm. Nothing strange about it at all. all right, you probably need 20 of them as a starter. That might be a problem. That was true. There wasn't much meat either, was there? <laughs> no. So I, t- I walked into this transport cafe, and then this, that one of the older ladies who was serving, she... She saw the plan and she, she, she went straight to the bin to throw up. Yeah, because oh, yeah, they look, and this is an obvious thing to say, but they look just like mice when you had them, because they were all they laid were, out, they weren't they? they? Yeah. <laughs> they were they all there with cameras. <laughs> and these truckers and then, coming um, in. <laughs> and so when you eat them, there, there was a so when you eat them, do you have to nibble, do you nibble yeah. them? How do you eat them? Do you nibble at them and try and get some flesh oh, off them or do you just crunch it? Just like a quail. How would you eat a quail? A bit nibbly. Well, normally with breast meat, no, doing it all with a leg, little leg or something. How would you eat quail's eggs? Quail's eggs. How would you eat quail's legs? Not with a knife and fork. You nibble well, on yeah, them. Well, yeah, but they're good. How do you eat? How yeah, do you okay. eat? How right. do you eat a rib? But there's a... You nibble on it. Yeah, so, nibbly. Mouse is rib. Nibbly mice. <laughs> a lot smaller. You're nibbling a nibbler. Do we get anyone to try them? Did anyone try them? I can't even remember if any of the truckers so, tried yes. them. Yes. So oh. this this was the bit. You know, maybe we should just carry on on this riff and put cherries onto another podcast. Because this <laughs> could be for hours. Stuff, eh? <laughs> yeah. why, don't we, why don't we use this? Get, no, we are going to use it. Because yeah, we <clears throat> um, yeah. Anyway, yes. Do you remember by the door there was there was a there was a there was a guy who was like probably about fifty five, sixty truck driver, and he had his plate of breakfast. It wasn't his frittata. It was. 
Fillerlish. So fried egg, tomato, baked beans, fried bread. And he had a couple of sausages. And I went up to him with a pan and I said, would you like one of these? He went, all right. <laughs> so I picked the, the mouse up and put it. So he had two sausages and a mouth on top of it. I remember, like, oh, I remember that. I remember that. He was so mad with you, all right. I love it. It's free. He goes, oh. He said, they're all right, aren't they? That was Alice trying to get any other buggers down. Meanwhile, the, the poor old lady in the kitchen still put her head in the rubbish. <laughs> so why are people squeamish? Why are they squeamish about these things? I think it's brilliant. I think Brent. Um, so we're encouraging you next time with your citrus tart. Pop a mouse on top of it. You never know. Still cook it up. Yeah. Just yeah. <laughs> carry one in your pocket. You never know. A mouse frittata. A light snack. Oh, God. Um, uh, <laughs> who's this? Harry. Mm. Harry's also dropped us a line. Hi, Harry. Um, hi, absolutely love the podcast. Always a great way to expand how I think about food. Yep, just illustrated that. Oh, here you go. This is very apt. Um, I'll be really interested to hear how Heston processes experiments would change when creating a um, vegetarian menu. There we are. Uh, I'd also say the child- TV shows are a big part of my childhood growing up, a major part of why I love cooking. So thanks for those. Uh you're very welcome. Uh, hopefully, I didn't mess him up too badly. I very much hope to one day visit the fat duck so I can taste Heston's food for myself. Thanks, Harry. So, yeah, this is really interesting, Heston, because um, the ve- there's a vegetarian approach. When you- talk about it in the context of your fat duck menu, because obviously everyone thinks of that as a singular menu, but actually you have full vegetarian options, don't you, for that? Well, the only option we don't have is a vegan one, <clears throat> and that's n- n- got nothing to do with what I think of vegans. I think if I think if someone's a vegan because they want to be a vegan and they enjoy their a vegan diet, fantastic. If you start getting into the discussion of um, killing animals, then you go into Descartes territory. So Descartes was a French philosopher that's, that, that, that said, I, well, I think, therefore I am. I hope he said that. Have I got that right? James, tell us. <laughs> anyway, what he did... He, yes, yeah, he did. We did. Didn't we? <laughs> Something like that. Probably said I it in French, that. mind. Said it in French, though. Yeah, he yeah. did. <laughs> Je suis donc jetre. But I don't even know if that's the right translation. Have you a microphone? Yeah, have you a microphone? So he went down the food chain and he started off with humans and went to sort of monkeys and chimps and I don't know, lions and giraffes and cats and dogs and reptiles and fish. And he got to an oyster and somehow he decided oysters don't have emotion. Or they don't have consciousness. Now, based on what? That's amazing. You had a chat with it. it didn't so apply. If, if you kill an animal, if the animal has lived a life where it has been free, free to roam, free to eat what it wants to eat, free to live that life, you kill an animal for the purpose of eating. That is the food chain. It's like looking at a David Attenborough show. The lioness that has to kill another animal to feed the cubs. So you, you can, on the, on the one hand, you can look at it and go, oh, that poor, and it is that, that poor baby zebra or something. If she doesn't kill that animal, her cubs die. Now, that's one, one great thing that human beings have done is we're not in that position anymore. However, there is a food chain and we are breaking the food chain. For me, everything is living. A leaf is living. A plant is a living thing. It doesn't move in the same way as a lion does or a human 
We don't know what a plant's memory or imagination is like, but there's a lot of research into it. So my point is, if you value what you eat, you really value it. I don't get hunting. I do not understand. I, I, I do not understand why people would hunt an animal for pleasure. Put the, put the head on the wall, put the, put the skin on the floor, and not care about the meat. <clears throat> And there's been a lot of work on this. It's just the same as human beings. When they come towards the end of their life, if you feel, if you feel, we're all going to live and die at some point. I mean, our bodies will. But if you feel that you've actually added something to this planet, you've played a role in this planet. So if you eat an aubergine, if you just scoff it down and you see somebody else eating a piece of meat and you start criticizing them, you are, at, you are actually not giving appreciation to the aubergine. This is a, a much bigger discussion for, fu for, for, for future podcasts because this is something I really very strongly in. Everything is living. Mm. So when you look at a tree, it's living. You don't, well, if you chop a tree down, <clears throat> if you need the wood, if you need the wood to live for the fire, you give appreciation. Don't use more wood than you need. Appreciate everything. You have a natural food chain. So it's like in the sea. If you overfish, you don't stop eating fish because you also go the food chain. So the fisherman that goes out to sea with his fishing rod and catches the fish or that type of fishing, it's one thing. Big sea, tra sea trawlers that drag up the bottom of the, in the ocean yeah. are doing humongous damage, absolute humongous. Fish, fish are living creatures just the same. They're no more or less important than dogs or human beings. Where all every living thing is as important as any other living thing. So if you give value to that when you eat it, that's really important. So coming coming back to the vegan, the only reason why we don't do vegan can't do a vegan menu is because <clears throat> I didn't want the we, we've got meat, non meat, fish, non fish. We've got vegetarian. We've even got non um, um, uh, gluten intolerant and lactose intolerant versions of the same menu. What I didn't want, let's take Sound of the Sea. I didn't want three people sitting around a table of four with their Sound of the Sea, with the headphones, listening to the sea noise, and then the, the fourth person having a, the, ve the veggie having a bowl of lentils. That's interesting because you can experience. make the vegetarian, mm. you can make the vegetarian versions similar experiences, even... That's been the big challenge. I bet it has, isn't it? To, to give, we wanted to give the same quality and impact on the vegetarian dishes with the same multi-sensory uh, emotional connection to these dishes as the people that that, that that maybe were eating meat or eating fish yeah otherwise you feel like you're left just because if you want to eat vegetables you don't want to eat meat you go to the fat duck if you go to a, a let's say a normal restaurant then there should be some option that you should have the individual dishes as options yeah but the fat duck is one menu and it's all about our relationship with food. It's all about storytelling. It's all about curiosity and discovery. It's all about multisensory. It's all about how food can connect us. It's all about magic and discovery and surprise. And you leave that, you, I want people to leave the duck thinking, my life is actually, I've just discovered something new about myself and my relationship with food. And I've tucked into some wonderful nostalgic memories. And some of it was even personalized for me. It's like I fell down a rabbit hole and, you know, all of these sorts of things. Not, I've seen my mates 
have these incredible, incredible dishes. Yeah, and which I've got I some ate grilled me. But there must be things within the the veg the meat world that it's really hard to find substitutes just on a physical level, just on the way they re- react with the other ingredients and things. Or is it, is it, is it possible to do it, that? It, it is, but but all the work we put so much work into this that it's actually manifested itself in some incredible discoveries. So what you can do with mushrooms, the range of mushrooms, the, the benefit the benefit of mushrooms. Um, well, benefit of mushrooms and fungi for the world. I mean, in, in the soil and in your stomach and everywhere. What you tend to miss, people tend to miss with meat the most, is the, the sort of juiciness and juiciness and, and meatiness and the chewiness of the texture of the meat. That's one of the big things. So in the process of this, we discovered that actually, and umami, your meaty notes. Yeah. So you can replace... You even and, and it's one great way of testing is to test it on meat eaters. You can make food that has no meat in it whatsoever be really deeply satisfying. And if you can put a story around it that connects you with you know this plant, this mushroom, once was a living thing and grew out of the ground. Yeah. And yeah, and and this is that getting that this and, and 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 it's much harder again. It's much harder to do it with a vegan diet but you can do it with a vegan diet you just need to find when you have umami you need to find things that have umami in them and mushrooms have umami i remember my wife had it at the fat duck next to me she's a veggie and i remember sitting next to her and i was re- i was really curious i want to try the vegetarian menu at the fat just just because i think it would be such an adventure because there'd be so many things where you're like i know there's no meat in this but i'm getting that like you said, unctuous flavouring my mouth. And some of the things look spectacular as well because I know there were certain things. I remember the, the maitre d' saying, oh, this is your version of it. And it was like these these lattices of things. I was like, this looks amazing. It's totally, it's the same menu, but with added things. Yeah, it, it, it's amazing. So, yes, there is one menu at the Fat Duck, but there are, and, and actually, but there's all these different versions. So we make, we make five menus, five different versions of the same menu and in addition to that there's some old favorites i shouldn't be actually they're going to kill me for saying this <laughs> no zip your mouth i'll have some um that, everyone yeah. listening don't tell anybody no, don't, don't, put, put, put your fingers in your ears and go ah <laughs> so, um, but when we did the, the, the lactose the lactose intolerance um uh, or dairy free menu obviously ice cream's featured and we've spoken quite a lot about my obsession with ice cream. Mm-hmm. So we started to look at milk replacements. The problem when you start using things like various nut milks, lots of them aren't actually milk. Yeah. Because lactose, you've got, you've got sugars and, 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 and proteins in it. <clears throat> but if you, almond milk is almond soaked in water and then blitzed and then left and then strained. So it looks like milk. So if you put almond milk in coffee, it looks. The coffee white. doesn't go. It, it, yeah, it, it doesn't. It looks white, but when you put it in the coffee, the coffee doesn't turn turn into milky coffee. Yeah. Uh, some milks, like soy milk, do. So we started then playing around different ice creams with different milks, and found that that in fact some of the ice creams that we made with soy milk for the dairy free menu, actually, we found more impressive than the ones made with dairy 
Huh. So there's some of those are actually on on the on the I say normal. They're all normal menus. The fact that the the, the full yeah, non restricted non dietary menu. Wow. And we don't we actually we don't use much meat in the duck. No, I think about it's very dishes, little meat. There's there's not an awful many, lot of fish yeah. and an awful lot of veg. An awful lot. I and mean, even with the meat, every when we use meat, I, I bet I have been uh, when we were sourcing our farmers. The only way to do this for me is to go to the farm and see the farmer with his or her animals, see how they're kept, see how they're looked after, see how they're loved and see how they're slaughtered rather than brushing it under the carpet. Because at some time when you eat meat, an animal has had to be killed. And I have a venison farmer in Downpatrick in, um, um, in Ireland. He, his farm, completely free range. And he fought very hard with the authorities because he said deer are, they, they, they stay in couples. So they should, be, they should come into the, the, slaughter, the, abbot, the slaughterhouse together. Oh, wow. And he had his, he had his um, slaughterhouse designed by, oh, what's that woman? She's, she's, got to, she's autistic, very famous now. Um, they made a movie about her. James? <laughs> you might need more than that. You're dangerous. I think uh, I've just forgotten her name. She's so famous. She designed um, abattoirs using the golden ratio. So, like, a, think of a Nautilus spiral from above. Yeah. And, and this, they're all in green wooden panels. I stood with Ashley. He said, "Stand over there and watch them." They trotted in. They're not putting. They're not putting a vehicle. They they trotted in. Looked at us, we stood there, they trotted past us, and then they go to the end of the spiral, and right above, the, there's a man with a stun gun. Yeah. And there's probably a three-second gap. The first one, the, the first the deer knows nothing about it. Yeah. Poof. There might be a three-second gap where the other one thinks, what, what, what's going on here? Brian? And, poof. <laughs> and, then, and then you go through the slaughter process. To me, I had to do this to see... This is the value, of me. and 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 what I can't remember his name. Um, hang on, James, could you look at uh, venison supply? He's in. He's in the Fat Duck Cookbook. Um, yeah, I'll have a look at the back. Were you talking about the American um, yes. lady who developed? Yes, What's Temple it? Grandin. So, so yeah, this, yeah, so this woman's called is Temple Grandin. She's done a TED talk or TED talks, and they made a documentary about her. And she's revolutionised. She's she's got nurseries, little little pens for animals to go and rest in a lovely area before slaughter. So it's made to remove all that stress. Remove the stress. Don't stick them in lorries. Don't put them cooped up in, you know, why are people hat that they, they, they would order order a free range chicken and, and, and accuse other people of, you know, not a buyer eating this and that and the other, but they'll buy a ready meal Mm. without knowing where the food comes from. So Dennis, the, the, the guy who started this, he fought so hard to have these deer together, leave them wild, don't put them in trucks, let them walk to, let them walk to the end, have it all designed very, so, so that they just walk in themselves. They're not pushed, they're not touched. The stun gun comes along, it's instant, it's quick. He said something to me that I thought was really powerful. He was going to become vegetarian. He always thought about becoming vegetarian. And one of the questions he asked himself was, he thought, if I couldn't in principle not in reality not not that yeah i had to every time but 
If I, in principle, could not kill an animal for the purpose of eating it, I do not deserve to eat meat. And I thought, wow, that's the same as a vegetable. It might sound like I'm talking to trees now. If you, if you, don't, if, if you don't give value to food... You have to respect where it comes from, how it was grown, where it, yeah. what, the, the story behind it and where it all comes from. Wow. Exactly. So who's the guy that's... So Harry, that, yeah, Harry, Harry, thank you for that, Harry. What Harry. a question. That led a, long, a lot of ways. Harry, what's a... Mm. I'm sorry that that went all over the place, but actually taps into something that obviously is at me. Yeah, food is at my heart, and yeah, fantastic question. No one's actually really. I don't think. I think it might be the first time I've been asked that question. Hence the very long-winded, all around the world answer. It's brilliant, but it does mean that we do now need to get in our submarine and go into cherries because we're already running out of time on this. We haven't even talked about cherries I, yet. I, okay, so being human, being human about this. And this is what we started at the beginning about getting a microphone. Then we the thought and we said we're going to talk about cherries. We did. We've used up nearly all our podcast time. We have. So why don't we use cherries? Are we going to roll cherries over? Yeah, life is a bowl of cherries. Well, life is a bowl of cherries. So let's let's roll <laughs> cherries. Let's try and roll a cherry over to the next podcast. Okay, we'll roll cherries over to the next we'll roll cherries over to the next podcast. For all you avid cherry fans out there who have tuned in specifically for the cherries podcast. Well, we do apologize, but hopefully you'll come back next week to hear get, all well, about it. Get your it. questions in. Get your questions in. Now, yeah, get your know, cherry now. questions in. If you've got exactly something that. you want to know or you've got a dish or a flavor pairing with cherries because they're everywhere in the supermarkets now, certainly in the UK, I don't know, depends on which part of the world we're in. I have had I got I've got some pages of notes on this. Uh, and so, the the this oh, is like a coming up. The smell of a coming the, next. The, week. Yeah, the smell of a comet. <laughs> the smell of the universe is um, basically benzaldehyde, which benzaldehyde it's amygdalin, which then breaks into cyanide and benzaldehyde. Bitter almonds are marzipan, as opposed to almonds. They're not the same. So marzipan is almond like, but it's different. Bitter almonds contain cyanide. The space, the smell of space is almond-like. The smell of comets, comets is almond-like. Lots of lichen, lichen is almond-like. Why am I saying that? Because almonds contain benzaldehyde and cherry stones are absolutely chocked full of benzaldehyde. Chocked. So we won't have Ooh, any... There you go, that's a tease. Uh, yeah, that's a tease, a tease for next week. We won't have any um, shortness of stuff to talk about. And also, you guys can put your thinking caps on and do another few pages of notes, and then we can start talking about elephant milk. Or how about this? This <laughs> question I'd like to leave all you dear listeners. How about this? And I don't know the answer to this. I have some theories, but why? Why, when we eat every single part of the pig, every part of the pig, everything, and use it in so many different processes? And we drink every type of milk, reindeer milk, cow milk, camel milk, every type of milk. Why do we not drink pig's milk? It might be that they only produce enough milk to milk what the, a question. The, the, the babies, or would you want to milk a pig? <laughs> but let's leave, let's leave that as a question. Any thoughts Fantastic. on why drink pig's milk? <laughs> or any other mammal any other mammals you'd like to drink the yes. milk of we would and, love to hear and, yeah. and I'd love to hear from anybody that's milked a pig yeah. if you have actually milked a pig I'd like to well, know goat's what, milk as well we have plenty of goat's milk it's a good yeah. question actually why we don't what have are the, what are the practical limitations of milking a pig 
Is it difficult? Is it and, I mean, any, any is suggestions? It easy? Do, any the is weirdest, the volume too low? The weirdest milk. Well, just to clarify, we're not encouraging anyone to go. Well, we are actually encouraging yeah, people are. to go and milk a pig. Yeah, and send in pictures as well. That's mission from both the pig and the pig's guardian or, or owner. <laughs> people tuned in to listen to cherries. We're talking about milking pigs now. I mean, we're going to get struck off the podcast. Whatever you can get struck off with podcast for not doing I, what we say I, we're going to do. I wonder if anyone's going to send us a recipe for breast milk ice cream. Oh. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they made that a while ago, didn't they? they oh did, my didn't word! It does have the highest level of um, umami in it of any colostrum, the, mm. the four milk. There you go. We are we are not encouraging any of you to send us breast milk ice cream, but experiences on that front. Oh, I'm going to stop now. This isn't going to go well for us, is it? Um, oh, Hester, okay. <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> on next week, cherries. Next week, cherries. Yes, tune in for what you thought you were going to get this week. Uh, but for now, James, thank you for being there for us. Pleasure. Despre- desperately Googling pig milking techniques. Well. <laughs> uh, dear listeners, we really appreciate it. Please do get in touch and subscribe if you get the chance and say something nice about us on iTunes because it makes a difference. It means other people can find us. But for now, on this Cherries podcast that wasn't about cherries, uh, Heston, thank you ever so much enjoy your safe trip home from spain thank thank you jay thank you james and thank you all of you for your questions i love them but they can go anywhere so you might have to be careful what you ask for 